Um, thank you so much, Danny. What about, what about tipping at the coffee shop counter? I don't quite do that. Should I feel, you tip at the coffee shop counter? Do you tip there? Me? Yeah. You don't tip at the coffee shop. All right. I feel a little better. I have nothing to do with coffee. Okay. On any level. Let's, let's, let's start with the basics. Above reproach, blameless. Can you just briefly, you, you read those. Can you briefly define those for us? Above reproach, blameless, Paul's two lists. Well, to be above reproach and blameless is to walk in integrity. And uh, you'll find the word blameless in the ESV, but actually it's the same Hebrew word three times in the psalm. And I really think the better translation is integrity, so that you are a man uh, who indeed uh, walks in such a way there are no accusations that can be thrown against you that are going to stick. People are going to make accusations because the enemy is going to raise up people that will oppose you, but those accusations will not stick because there's no reality or truth to them. You're not working, walking perfectly, uh, but you are walking and uh, in, in, you're growing in your walk of holiness and godliness. So fair to say, not sinless, but if they could see my whole life movies on the movie screen, they'd still be happy to have me as an elder. They would say that's a man who walks with God. Yeah, great. Um, true or false, Danny, there's a direct correlation between blamelessness and integrity and your power in your preaching. I think true. Explain that. Because, and we were talking about this a moment ago, uh, I've known men that have preached truth but unfortunately, underneath the proclamation was a heart of uh, rot, uh, a heart that was not turned toward the Lord, uh, a life that was not uh, what they saw up front was not what you saw behind the scenes. Uh, were they able to fake it for a while? Yes. But were they able to carry it on over a long term? No because those cracks in the foundation inevitably are going to give way and the house is going to crumble. Any other brother's thoughts on the connection between our power in ministry and our integrity? I think, I think it's not only what you said. I think it's exactly right, but it's also something, something beyond what we can even really understand because it's something the Holy Spirit does. Um, there's something mysterious that the Holy Spirit does um, in His power in, in ministry and in preaching and in, and in all aspects of ministry and just being an example to the flock. The Holy Spirit, um, He knows hypocrisy and He, it's almost as if there, there are parameters or limits to, to, what, to what He allows. Of course, the Word of God is effectual. The Word of God goes forth and accomplishes precisely what God intends always, and it never, never returns void. But there is that, there is, there does seem to be that connection um, between our integrity, if you will, the, the effect or the efficaciousness of ministry and preaching in all aspects that the Holy Spirit, um, if you will, multiplies, empowers, extends beyond what we can even begin to see. And it's especially true when people become aware of an inconsistent lifestyle that doesn't match up with what you're preaching. In other yeah. words, you preach one thing but live another. Uh, 
no wonder they write us off for hypocrites because that's what we're guilty of being. Now, we all know we all have sin in our life. We all have uh, uh, hypocrisy, but we're not living in it as an ongoing lifestyle of which there's no repentance. I think it's one thing for me to realize, yes, I, I played the hypocrite, and I need to repent and ask God to forgive me, and I do, as opposed to playing the hypocrite and living in it and feeling no remorse over it, feeling no conviction over it, that then you begin to even wonder, sometimes are we talking about unregenerate men in the pulpit in spite of what they're saying? And again, Burke's right, God always honors his word. Uh, even if it comes, you know, Vance Havner used to say, God can hit a straight lick with a crooked stick. Yeah. Uh, and he does that uh, because the, stri- the stick is the word of God and it will accomplish its purpose. I think sometimes the Lord does let a man succeed and grow and go high even if his life isn't, even if he's a hypocrite. And that's the really scary position. I think ordinarily, however, you can expect more of a correlation. John Bunyan wrote a little um, book like he tended to write, allegorical, called The Life and Death of Mr. Badman. And the most chilling thing about it is Mr. Badman dies with a clear conscience. Seared conscience as well. Are you basically recommending guys to have accountability partners? Yes. Does it have to look like that? Can it take other forms? Yes, but how you flesh that out can vary. In other words, I'm not wired. Now, you say, well, it's because you're, you're insecure. Well, maybe I am. But I'm not wired well to, like, sit down every week over coffee with a group around a table and, all right, let's go through our checklist. I'm not a checklist guy. I'm just not wired that way. But I am with my, here at the school, with my, with my cabinet. Uh, I try to say to them again and again and again. I think they believe this. You have every right anytime under any circumstances to confront me. If you see sin in my life, if you see something where I'm causing harm to the gospel or not leading well, there are three or four other men in my life that I have told them I consider myself completely, totally, absolutely transparent to you that there's no question that you can ask me that I can say to you that's none of your business no question because I want to have that kind of accountability to you now do they do that every week no but from time to time we go through checkups and and yes I do think we need that and you flesh it out in a way that works well for you some of you are really good at having the weekly accountability meeting around the coffee table fine that's great, but don't feel like if you don't do it that way, then well, you're not doing it right. I don't think there is a right way or wrong way, but that there is some way in which we're doing it uh, is essential. Brothers, I'd love to go around here what each of you do, uh, if not an accountability, or what exactly you do to help walk in blamelessness with relative to other brothers and living in transparency and in the light with other brothers. Jeremy? I'd say for me right now it is uh, the fellow pastors I work with uh, and, and as our church is moving toward elders, eventually those elders. So yet another plug here for a plurality of elders, but not just having that structure, but really uh, opening your life uh, to, to these men. You know, you know who's, who's the pastor of the pastors? And I think the, the biblical answer is the pastors are the pastors of the pastors. So the other elders are there to shepherd me too. Um, so cultivating a really open culture where we can critique yeah. each other and help each other. H.B.? It would be the same with me. The men who I serve with as pastors, I am not 
my schedule is not structured to have a weekly meeting, but I am in weekly conversations one way or another with the men around me informally, but directly. I also have several older men who are absolutely not impressed with me. <laughs> who are just at random times gonna check in on me, yep. intrude. And it is brutal when I see the caller ID. <laughs> um, but I am grateful uh, on the other side. I also would say that it has been healthy even for my marriage and my children. For my wife now almost 19 years, 20 years, to know that there are people she can tell on me to. Um, that has just been important yeah. to know that I am accountable to what within my church and beyond my church. Burke? Um, certainly our elders and certain elders uh, among us are, are closer friends of mine. Um, but uh, I have a group of men that I gather with um, every Monday night. We have for more than, I think, 14, 15 years now, and uh, just a, a close fraternity, a band of brothers, uh, one of whom is a, a fellow pastor, one is a deacon, uh, dear brothers. Um, RC, <clears throat> RC also, over the last uh, 18 years, has become a close companion and a father. Um, and I, I, almost by surprise, I've been amazed the sorts of things that I've I found that I can talk with him about and be open about. Um, and also, my, uh, my boss at Ligonier Ministries, you know, I'm a full-time pastor at St. Andrew's Chapel, but I also serve at Ligonier. And my boss there, uh, Chris Larson, president of Ligonier, is one of my closest friends. We live right down the street from one another, and um, I can talk with him about anything. Um, and we regularly do, but I do have, um, I do have, and I didn't for many years, and I'm not, I'm not this checklist kind of guy either, and I don't think I'd enjoy a group every, every week, and, but I do have a, a man that I have now prayed with, and we spend an hour or so on the phone every Thursday morning, um, and the Lord just brought us together, and uh, we, we talk and we pray every week, and uh, it, is, it is very intimate, very vulnerable. Uh, we are talking about our children, interactions, uh, interactions with our wives, uh, extremely transparent, um, praying for very specific things, confessing sins to one another, talking throughout the week. He's, he's praying uh, for us now. Um, but that has, been, that has been something that many older pastors um, pressed me in. And um, thanks be to God, he gave me uh, my dear friend. Thank you, brother. Yeah, I don't think I have a regular group. I just uh, have a lot of relationships constantly that are very open and encourage people to correct me and try to be very transparent in the way uh, I answer questions. I think, um, I don't know when accountability partners became very popular, maybe 20 years ago, 
the experience I had in Cambridge, England left me skeptical about their utility because I had a, a pastor that I met with every Tuesday and uh, we, I thought we were very good friends. And, um, and then sometime later, after I'd gone to America to pastor this church in Washington, it came out that he was living a, a very immoral lifestyle. And I'd been meeting with him every week, being transparent, asking you know, direct questions and got nothing from it. And uh, you know, when this came out, it kind of flashed around the evangelical world. And I, I remember in this one day getting calls from uh, Philip Jensen in Sydney and Dick Lucas in London. And you know, Dick particularly was just saying, oh, I'm, I'm just so sorry, I was just with him. You know, I just blame myself for not asking him more questions in this kind of accountability thing. And I said to him, Dick, I, I met with a guy every, every Tuesday for about an hour and a half in the morning. And if he's not going to be honest with, with me, you know, you're just... So uh, it's, it's good to have accountability relationships or groups. But I think what you have to do as an individual, you just have to resolve to have a number of relationships and just to be transparent in your relationships and to cultivate a culture where people feel free to ask you questions or confront you. And you've just got to be honest. So I, I don't in any way want to discourage a good close relationship or accountability partnership you have. I just want to tell you don't rely on that. If you don't want to disclose your sin, that's the problem. It's not the lack of the structure. So you've got to work at the heart. I appreciate that you've, the way you've made it easy for brothers to confess sin. In my own life, you've made it easy to confess sin with your gracious gospel-ish response, or gospel-esque response to uh, my confessions of sin. Now, I think you're right. I, I do think it depends on the, on the, um, the determination of the guy to want to live transparently and openly. I, th- I think what bothers me, though, is, or worries me, is how many Christian men in our churches are just living anonymously or in the dark and trying to find ways to encourage them into that sort of transparency. Thabiti, any, anything on this? Yeah, I think I'm where most of the guys are. I, I've never been helped by the sort of formal accountability checklist thing. Um, and I think Mark is exactly right. I think we just have to have a resolve to, to confess our sins and to be honest. And I think sometimes those processes people can use to shift the responsibility of their spiritual life over to others. And, and so I'm kind of suspicious of that. Uh, I meet once a month with each of the staff and elders for extended lunch where we talk about our lives uh, in what I consider to be very open ways. And God has been very kind. A couple of churches I've had the privilege of pastoring, he's actually sent older women or older couples uh, who, have, who have often watched over me. So I think of Brother Patty and Miss Clanice, who are kind of our adoptive parents in the Cayman Islands. Miss um, Clanice can speak very frankly to me and, and often did about things that she was concerned about or saw. Uh, Miss Dawn, I never forget when she came to see me one day, she made an appointment and I thought it was going to be one of those times where I listen and give a little, bib- little biblical advice and uh, she had her list of questions and she started examining me. How are you doing? And what's going on? I said, oh, you shepherding me. And <laughs> She said, yeah, I don't know if anybody else is, so, you know, what's, what's going on? <laughs> Man. And so every once in a while, she would make an appointment, and I would gird up my loins and get ready for the conversation. Man. Uh, and and in, the current, in the current church, Miss, Miss Carol, uh, some of the brothers will know Miss Carol. Miss Carol has chin-checked me a couple times. And, uh, she what you? Chin-checked. 
Chin checked, okay. You know, she's, uh, she, she's, she's spoken very frankly, very directly, very grandmotherly or motherly, um, but God has also used them in a different way. Uh, older, older persons in the congregation uh, to sort of keep watch and help me to keep watch uh, on life and, and doctrine along with the, the elders and the staff. Great. I, I remember when uh, you were leaving uh, to go down to Grand Cayman, us having lunch at Hops, and you having some specific advice you gave me. You had like three or four pieces of advice that I wrote down and I still have. And you spoke to me very specifically about my life and I really appreciate that, brother. I think one thing that that is important to keep in mind, at least for me, accountability for me and my relationships has been, has been less about a uh, finger, you know, pointing at the face, more, around, more about an arm around the shoulder. Uh, it's been more of an encouragement to me. Having someone who knows me well and who loves me well and prays for me daily, um, yeah. it's, an, it's an encouragement to me. And I'll also say that I, I think you can, you can almost look at many, many men who have fallen uh, from ministry and have not finished well. And uh, they were typically the ones saying things like this, I'm not accountable to you, I'm accountable to God. Sounds really good, but it's not biblical. Yeah. We are accountable to one another. I'm accountable in one sense to every member of our church. So. Yeah. One, of, one of the phrases that, uh, that, that we hear a lot from the other cultures that I minister to is don't touch the Lord's anointed. And I think that's, that, that's a, you know, there's only one Lord's anointed in the New Testament. And... Uh, yeah. Yeah. So what you're saying, the pastor is not the Lord's anointed. That's what I'm saying. So if a pastor here has been using that phrase to tell people to back off criticizing him, you think they're wrong. Yeah, unless they're using it in the sense that all believers have received the Holy Spirit, their conversion in that sense. But, no, yeah, not that sense. Yeah, not that sense. So if they're in a church where the pastor's saying, <laughs> I am the Lord's anointed, you do not correct me, you would say... Uh, I'm Azariah, and I'm here, Uzziah, to tell you. <laughs> well, friends, if you have any more questions for Azariah after our time this evening, uh, please. Here he is. Hard stop at dinner. You ready? Let's, uh, we close this in prayer, then we'll go to dinner. Father, we thank you for the gift of your word. It's a marvel that we have the Bible. It's a marvel that we have your word, that you speak to us, and that you graciously give us ears to hear. Lord, give us even better hearing of your word. Let it go deeper into our lives and do its, do its work. Sanctify us by your word, we pray. We pray that as we go from here to have dinner, that we would not, Lord, having looked into the mirror of your word, forget what we saw. But even in all of the fellowship and the joking and the catching up with friends, uh, we might, Lord, continue to hear a still, quiet voice speaking to us of things you desire us to hear from your word. We pray that for pastor and people. Give us a sense of how solemn, how holy, how profoundly important these things are. Give us a sense of how much is in the balance when we talk about integrity and transparency and accountability 
and grant, O oh Lord, that we would not shrink away from those things, but in your grace, we would dive deeper in. Do deep work in us, we pray. Individually and collectively, do deep work in us for your glory and our joy. In Jesus' name, amen.